Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. Everyone agrees you are the perfect couple. The spark is there. Your families get along. You even like the same pizza toppings. So what could go wrong with your life together? How about finances? I'm Patrice Sikora with Rachel Rasmussen and Tony Luckhart to talk about financial communication and the importance of having both parties involved with household finances. Tony, let's start here. Some studies have found money can be a source of conflict. Oh, do tell. Well, Patrice, I'm I'm here to, I've been married for uh, almost 22 years and I'm here to tell you it's hard, right? It, hmm. But worth it or at least that's what people tell me. Just kidding, Tara. If you listen to this, I'm just kidding. It's not always easy, but we have a great, uh, fortunate to have you in my life. Have a great, great uh, life together. I see flowers in your future. <laughs> I'm pretty Tony's good at sticking my to foot the... in my mouth. Yes. Tony's running to the flower shop today. Uh, yeah, like Tony, I, I've been married for 13 years and I can attest it is, it's work. The communication is work and it's important to make even your financial picture a little bit more clear and conflict free. I wouldn't say conflict free, maybe less conflict. Um, yeah, less, not, not uh, <laughs> conflict free. That's never going to happen. Yeah. So I know we're going to talk today about communication and couples and having both parties involved in those money conversations. And Tony and I, we work with all sorts of people. So we just want to acknowledge it's not always couples that we're working with. Sometimes we're working with um, widows or even people who just choose to be single. And that's okay. We have, we work with all kinds of people, trusts and so forth. But today we're just going to hone in on a joint money conversation. So this is just one aspect of wealth management that we do. Well, apparently there, there is one study that says money problems or incompatibility causes more than 40% of divorces. Indeed. And it all starts with you know, all good relationships, as they say, start with communication. It's communication, 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 right? So it is true that financial incompatibility does cause the greatest amount of divorces. Working hard up front to establish good lines of communication is is important. And having uh, ensuring that both spouses are on the same page as to aligned goals, aligned finances, understanding your financial situations, really, really important. I mean, what's that that book that's out there? I think it's Deborah Tan, and she says, you just don't understand. <laughs> and it's the difference in communication styles between um, and, and partnerships. People have different ways of communicating, and we need to acknowledge that. You know, try planning and budgeting with one person, you throw another person in, and then you're trying to talk about that. I mean, it's no wonder there's so much written on the subject because it's hard. It is hard. And it all starts with, you know, understanding what your aligned goals are, you know, sitting down and having those conversations. What are our goals? What are our goals, you know, this year, this next six months, you know, what are our goals five years from now, 10 years from now? And then, you know, understanding and, and talking about things like income and debt and spending habits and savings and credit scores, all those things are important to have conversations around. And at least understanding each other's perspective is really important here because, Having 
uh, finding areas of agreement, but also finding areas that you disagree with is just as important. And I've got two words for that couch pillows. So when I was when I was first married, I would come home every six months or so and on the couch I'd find new couch pillows. And it <laughs> drove me crazy. Why do we need new couch pillows? We just, you know, those are perfectly fine couch pillows. And um it it, it got to the point where, you know, I was aggravated because I thought that she was wasting money. And my reaction to that put her in a spot where she didn't feel like she was valued and listened to. And the solution to that, after uh, several uh, disagreements and arguments, we set kind of three pots of money up. We had the big pot of money where most of our bills get paid out of. And then we've got the Tony pot and the Terra pot. And she could buy as many couch pillows as she wanted out of her Terra pot of money because that was her money to spend with you know no questions asked. And that really allowed us to... Uh, take a step back and say, okay, well, yeah, this, I don't care. I'm, I'm still not a big fan of couch pillows, but as long as Tara spent it out of her pot of money, I'm I'm cool with that. And I'm spending money thing on things that uh, she probably wouldn't agree with as well. So it's Tony uh, couch yeah. pillows. That makes your house a home. I <laughs> just it? have to disagree with you on that. I mean, I have nice pillows. My kids have destroyed them, but I'm going to go out and you and you bet it, I'm going to get some new ones and they're going to be nice because <laughs> to me, it's not about the pillow. It's about what it speaks to and creating the environment or what are the, what's the, what do the Danes call it? Huga. Shway, I'm going to yeah, say it right. wrong, but basically the cozy atmosphere. So maybe for her, it's not about pillows at all. It's about how do I want to feel in my home? So you know, you just don't understand, Tony. Oh, I, I agree. <laughs> you just I don't, understand. don't get it. And uh, we may not get what you're into either. You know, I go and hiking on a mountain. I just, I can't understand that. Why you yes. might need gear for that. I'm thinking the sidewalks are fine. <laughs> now, the way you're brought up, you learn from your parents or those around you. It, it, you better find out pretty early on if this is going to be the person you're marrying, what their upbringing was like. And and we find that that comes up a lot in meetings just because we're holding space, we're creating space, we're trying to be the impartial third party for those conversations to occur. Sometimes they occur before and after the meeting and you can kind of tell, oh, we're going to talk about this later. <laughs> but you just making the space to have those conversations, a lot of things that have come up have to do with, hey, I feel this way about saving because I was raised in a household where my parents set up Christmas accounts and we were required to save our money and we had jobs and that was really important or in a situation where maybe money was really tight. So they are used to this not enough sense of scarcity scarcity, and mm -hmm. that can come through in budgeting and maybe their money situation as a couple, as partners, it's very different than the situation that they had as a child, but it's really hard to untangle those feelings around money. And listen, we're not therapists. We can't help with that. But other than making space and making each other aware of that, that can help ease tensions in these conversations. Well, why do you really feel like that? Well, dad set a timer for the shower and it was off in five <laughs> minutes. You can see why I complain about the water bill. You, yes. you, know, you know, you can see where this is going. Yeah, I went to a conference many years ago and some one of the things that related to me in that particular conference is the one of the speakers related to people's either grasshoppers or ants. 
And grasshoppers kind of hop all over the place. So they have fun and they spend money and ants can save and for their money or their food away. And having a relationship with a grasshopper and an ant is Mm. challenging sometimes. And having two ants uh, in the relationship, sometimes people don't spend enough money and don't give themselves permission to spend. So it's uh, every little situation's different and the dynamic between different couples is different for every person. That's sometimes something, you know, Tony, you bring that up. I think, I think that's really interesting. You get in a situation where you have plenty of income, you can do what you want. And yet some people still feel like they can't spend that money to go on the vacation or they want their family together, but They're not sure if they want to pick up the bill or something like that. Just giving that permissioning to say through financial modeling, look what we can show you about affordability can sometimes lessen those concerns. But Tony, you bring up a good point. It doesn't always cut the way of spend too much. Sometimes it's, hey, you could afford to spend a little bit more. And uh, I'll just kind of refute the couch pillow comment by females have something called the pink tax. And if you haven't heard about it, every product that a female uses is more expensive. I don't know why it is. You look at a a razor or deodorant or just going to get a haircut. I mean, your haircut's pretty cheap, right, Tony? I, I do I do mine at home. So yes, See, it's pretty cheap. There you go. I mean, I'm going every six or every six, seven weeks. And if you don't, you know, I'll, I'll look like a weird poodle. So I have to keep up on it. It's part of what we call the pink tax where things are just more expensive. So we have to acknowledge that in budgeting. Now let's digress here just a little bit before we get into the male, female weeds. Um, who with the house really manages the finances? Have you seen anything that is common across relationships? It's kind of, we see both, you know, sometimes you have one, one partner in the relationship that is the main breadwinner. Other times both are working. The other one might be working inside the home. We call that the unpaid labor that is valuable and brings value to the family unit. And we want to acknowledge that, but oftentimes we'll see that the person who um, is working in, in the home is helping with the budgeting because of time constraints. Sometimes when there's dual income, it could be either or, but normally it's one more than the other. Don't you think, Tony? Typically it's one or the other. That's, you know, one of the beautiful things about marriage is divide and conquer, right? And you divide different chores and one of them is managing the household finances. And typically one person takes that role and it's good to have the other person at least aware of understand the overall situation. And, you know, maybe the communication we talked about before is kind of the key to any good relationship. So, you know, when you, when you first start dating someone, you know, it's good to have this communication at some point, these conversations around finances and maybe it's not first date material, but, uh, you know, if once you get into a relationship with someone for a period of time, if you're not having those conversations, if you're um, not talking about budgets and goals and, the finances behind all those things. Those are some, you know, red flags, yellow flags to be aware of. Setting a regular cadence of having those conversations will help help them not kind of go to the back burner. If you say on an annual basis, we're going to look at what we spent this year and we're going to have a talk about that. And maybe on a monthly basis, we say, what's our priority for the next few months looking Three, forward? Six months, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we're meeting with clients 
once, twice a year. So those conversations are definitely happening then, but we just recommend setting time on the calendar or a mental checklist that we're going to talk about budgeting because that's contributes to your well-being, not just your financial well-being, but your communication well-being with your partner. Should the kids be involved in this? Yeah. I mean, at the right time, yeah, I think at the right age, depending upon the responsibility level of the child, I've always personally, I have ever since my kids were five or six, we'd uh, over the Christmas holiday, we'd uh, get together and do a family meeting and Every year, I try to find some age-appropriate topic to to cover with and go over with them. And so, yeah, starting talking about and having those conversations with kids when the kids are young and allowing them to uh, make mistakes when the, the when the uh, mistakes are small, as opposed to not having these conversations and. 10, 15 years down the road, they're making adult decisions and adult mistakes when they're not under your supervision. Mm-hmm. So, I totally encourage to have age-appropriate conversations and bringing the kids into the financial conversation as appropriate. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, going back to what we were saying, money start money and conversations around money and feelings around money start when we're very young. And so how can people facilitate a good relationship with money, a good understanding around uh, what money does, how it works as a tool, how to budget, also the value of work and so many great benefits of having those conversations with young kids and and teenagers as they might have a after school job and, and so forth, I think is a really good skill. I mean, you look at the US as a whole and financial literacy is very low. And how can we help our community build up that financial literacy, I think it starts in the household. And so if kids are involved talking about money early and often, I don't see where you could possibly go wrong, but I'm sure you can. (laughs) That may be a good topic for a future podcast, kids and money. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do tokens in my household. They're little chips and they earn little chips for doing little chores and whatnot. And they, they spend their chips and I see them trying to make sure they have more chips than the other and so forth. So we have conversations around healthy competition and bad competition. So anyway, (laughs) but that goes over well. Yeah, no, (laughs) not so much, (laughs) but I'm trying. And and that's the point, you know, creating the space is what we're here to do between partners, between couples, and then parents can build that space in their own house. What have you seen when a spouse passes? If the surviving spouse doesn't really know about the finances, yeah, I mean it could be it can be stress. It's stressful to begin with to have a spouse who doesn't understand all the moving pieces of their financial life really creates a a lot more stress. And at a time where you know, that's not wanted or needed, you know, so you know, having a clear plan in place having both spouses aware of what the plan is um, to make sure that all the titling and the beneficiaries and all those things are in place to make sure that the assets pass, to make sure the spouse understands, the surviving spouse understands you know, what they're going to have access to. Is the money going to be tied up in trust where they only have access to the income and principal for certain reasons, or which we often see in second marriages and things like that? Or is it uh, will they have complete outright control over those assets? And you know, how does my 
overall situation work on a go forward basis. You know, so having both spouses involved in the planning process and then, you know, allow, and part of that planning process is to talk about estate planning and how those things work. I, I agree with you, Tony. It's just, it's so important to have both partners involved in money conversations for not necessarily one's running point versus the other, because we know that to be true, but we really encourage clients to bring their spouse or bring their significant other into the meeting because we don't want misunderstandings and we want to create a sense of peace of mind. And how can you do that if information is not being shared? And so We've seen that happen where someone loses a spouse. And if they are involved in part of that money conversation, at least that's one less thing to create angst and uncertainty in their life, which really there's no good reason for that other than you know not participating in, in the conversations early. Yeah. And we work with clients and sometimes when we start working with them, we put their net worth together and it's two pages long sometimes. And so we talk about consolidating accounts. Do you need all these accounts and how, what the, the benefits of consolidation and that really pays dividends when one of the spouses passes and making sure it's a coordinated, organized approach. And Tony, you touched on the fact that maybe a second marriage, a, a non-traditional relationship, money is a huge factor there. Yeah, in, indeed. And, you know, we deal with all sorts of types of relationships, but second marriages in particular, it's sometimes it's his money, her money. Sometimes it's their money. Sometimes, you know, we've got one client that, that they have separate houses and it it works out quite fine for them. So, yeah, there's all different sorts of uh, relationships, but having both parties aware enough to understand and have some discussions about who's going to pay for what under what circumstances really helps relieve some of the the financial stress from that relationship. And where each pot of money is intended to go upon passing, Mm -hmm. because with a second marriage, you do want to make sure that the kids from previous marriages or they do receive something. So that's part of the conversations too, is, you know, when we're looking or Tony's going through a balance sheet, it's saying, okay, if the worst came to be, which we all go there at some point, what's going to happen with these funds? And just so you know, here are the totals. And we kind of flow that out for people so they can really see, do we want, do we want to make any changes to this? And that changes over time too. It's not we get married and we're ready to dive all in. Maybe you have one joint bank account to start and then you're together for five, 10 years and you get more comfortable with each other and you you start making more commingled decisions. Right. That's pretty common. We've had a very lively discussion here. Is there something we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure we do? I just say, you know, any good relationship is about communication. So make sure you you start having conversations about money. Um, you know, if we can help as a financial advisor to provide the space and time to talk about those things. We we've had several clients that uh, have said that you've saved our marriage by just having us understand our situation and providing objective advice that allows us to move forward. So that's a lot of value that we add in those conversations. I say, make it fun. You know, this doesn't have to be drudgery or doing budgeting. I hate budgeting. You know, we're not talking, let's monitor our, our Starbucks or whatnot. You know, this could be about 
What are your goals? Let's talk about our goals as a family, as a partnership. Do we want to do something really cool together? Let's plan for that trip in five years. And how can we make that happen? And you know, you see those budgeting where people fill in the little thermometer. I'm not talking about making it cheesy like that, but make a line item. And this is an opportunity for you guys to get excited about what's going on in your life. So don't dream. think about it. Allows you to dream. Dream. Yeah, yeah. dream, yeah. dream. And we'll help with those conversations as they come, you know, here, what about a second house? Or what about if we spent more time here? Or what if we did more gifting for our grandkids? What would that look like? And uh, that's the fun part of our job. So it's it's not a, always a chore. It's It can be fun. Well said, Rachel. Very well said. And how can people reach you if they want to start dreaming? Give us a call at 513-561-6640, or you can reach out on our website, fosterandmotley.com. If you found this information useful, please subscribe or follow to the podcast. And of course, don't forget to share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.